I got a lot of help in preparing for this sermon from this book by Don Carson, A Call to Spiritual Reformation. Um, he goes through all the prayers of Paul in the New Testament, many of them we've been looking at in summer evenings here at All Souls. And we come to the one in Philippians 1 this morning. I want to um, ask you at the start, if you think of the Christian message as more like multivitamins or life-saving medicine. This evening we're going to be sharing the Lord's Supper together. Do you think of the death of Jesus as just a good example or as something that can transform us from darkness to light? Multivitamins or life-saving medicine? How you answer that question will change how you see our passage tonight. Just a small paragraph towards the bottom of the first column on page 1178. Please um, open it up and have it in front of you. This is God's word to us this evening. Look down at the passage, and I want you to see that in it, we have two prayer requests. That's not totally obvious from a first reading, but there are two main things that Paul prays for. So verse 9, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. That's the first prayer request. And second, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Two prayer requests. That is, love fueled choices and goodness fueled praise. Two prayer requests. Those are the two things we're going to be unpacking together in the next few minutes. But let me say before we do that, that my aim for us this evening is not that we go out of here radically changed people. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but my aim is for all of us to increase our longing for Jesus-like living. Lift our sights, lift our desires for right speaking, right thinking, right acting. That's what Paul longs for. So first, love-fueled choices. Let's look at that, verse 9, that your love may abound more and more. He prays first for love. And that challenges the things that we usually pray for first. We readily pray for health or lowered stress or career and relationship success or about daily annoyances. There's nothing wrong with praying for those things, but Paul prays first for love. Love in the Bible means delighting to do good to others. 
when it's not deserved. It's how God treats every one of us. Someone has said, to love biblically is to will the good of the other. That's what Paul means here by love, to want somebody else's good. Maybe there's someone, uh, maybe you were thinking about them earlier, that you find really annoying. Well, the good news is, you don't have to wait until you stop finding them annoying to love them, to desire their good. And not satisfied with just love, Paul prays for abounding love, more and more. Friends, lift your sights. This is the high calling of a disciple of Jesus. Not try and get your love up to this level, but more and more. You know, Jesus always did what was perfectly loving with family, with friends, with strangers, with enemies. In contrast, you and I can hardly go 10 minutes without thinking or saying or doing something unkind, impure, untrue. And our love has limits. It's so limited. I've been listening to the audiobook of The Hiding Place recently. It's an account of a family in Holland during the Second World War who tried to protect and shelter Jews during the German occupation. What is the right thing to do when your actions may endanger the lives of others? What is the right thing to think about someone who betrays their own countrymen to the enemy? There's a moving scene where a Jewish lady and her newborn need a place to be hidden. And the family ask a rural pastor to take this lady and baby under his care. He refuses, saying, We could lose our lives for that baby. And the father of the family takes the baby in his arms and says, you say you could lose your lives? I would consider that the greatest honor that could come to our family. Both men reading this book, both men knew about the example of Jesus. But what was needed was love. But in order to choose what is best, that's not enough. We need love which abounds more and more, more and more, do you see, in knowledge. That is a God-given understanding of reality. A reality where the creator God is infinite, perfectly loving, ever-present, all-powerful, and therefore the most significant part of existence. A reality where humans are eternal beings whose well-being depends on knowing the Creator personally. Knowing those things changes the way that we love others. 
knowledge and insight. Insight means seeing inside situations. How do you love your housemates, your close family? How do you love your physical neighbor? I wonder what you talked to the person sitting next to you when we had our question. How do you love people better? We need insight. You can gain insight by putting yourself in their shoes. You can gain insight by studying the Bible. It's not a bad question to ask, what would Jesus do? Sometimes you just have a gut feeling. But behind all of those, we're looking to God to give us insight into what people need, how we can will their good. More and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. Paul prays for love-fueled choices. How about for you and me in 2023 in London? What will love-fueled choices look like? Does it mean you always give money to the homeless person who asks for it? You see, this book will not give you a precise answer to that question. How should I plan my free evenings in this coming week? This book is not going to tell me how I should do that. But how do you want to use them? Do you not want to use them for what is best? So will you take time to contact a friend who is feeling down? Will you take time to read a Christian book to grow in discernment? Will you get a really early night? Because you know you simply can't maintain a relationship with God unless you sleep. Will you go to the gym to look after the body that God has given you? Will you systematically pray for your neighbours? The Bible won't tell us precisely what to do. But God-given love with discernment will. Do you see how important this prayer is? More than for health or career or relationship success, Paul prays first for love-fueled choices. So let's be praying that for ourselves and for one another. Mary prayed it for us in our prayers. The second prayer request is for goodness-fueled praise. Now, this is not a totally new topic that Paul prays for. It's related to the love-fueled choices. The first prayer is basically a request that we would desire the good of others. We would see the best thing to think, say, and do in each situation. The second prayer is that we would be consistently doing that. If we read from verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Goodness-fueled praise. Paul prays that they will be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. What is that, the day of Christ? It's the future day when Jesus returns to this earth in person. That day, he will be the judge of humanity and the saviour of all those who are 
waiting for him. Is that you this evening? Pure and blameless. The word pure here means literally judged by the light of the sun. Sometimes when I'm doing my washing and um, I want to see if I've got that stain out of my shirt and I, I look it up, has the stain gone? I want to get light on it to be able to see, has the stain gone? That's what this means, pure. Paul prays that these Philippians will be pure and blameless on the day when Jesus comes back. Not that they will be perfect. Look down, if you would, at verse 6, just a few verses before our passage. In verse 6, Paul wrote, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, according to this, when people believe in Jesus, God begins a good work in them. We don't suddenly start to live perfectly. You know, when someone takes life-saving medicine, and they start to recover. We say, they've turned a corner. They've turned a corner. Well, if you've become a disciple of Jesus, you've turned a corner. Forgiven when we've believed. And at the same time, united to Jesus. We express that later this evening when we share the Lord's Supper. United to Jesus. Given his spirit's power to live. He began a good work in us. So Paul prays here that this good work, it will be continued and it will be showing in their lives. Goodness fueled praise. Here is a stick. Um, it's, uh, it's come off a tree and um, it's broken off. I didn't break it off. And it's dead. Not joined to the tree. There's no way it will produce any fruit. This is like you and me before God began a good work in us. But if it were able to be transformed to a living branch joined to a tree, well, you see, come autumn, it will be full of fruit. The fruit of righteousness. Jesus-like goodness is impossible to produce on ourselves. It's goodness showing in our lives because we've been joined to Jesus. As Paul puts it, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Good fruit like serving in your local church. Good fruit like being a dependable, loving person in your workplace. Good fruit like sticking up for what is true even when you get criticized. Paul prays for goodness-fueled praise. To the glory and praise of God. Let's think about that. You see, the focus here is not on what we do, but on what God does through us. Of course, we need to work hard 
but the praise goes to God. Recently, I met a Japanese artist who specializes in stained glass art. Now, um, he works along with a team of apprentices, and they're all working together to produce these stained glass art windows. And I imagine those apprentices are constantly asking for help. Is this okay? Can you help me with this bit, with this bit? And when the piece of work is displayed and the light shines through it, much of the work has been done by the apprentices. But it's the design and work and expertise of the artist which is on display. That's why it's goodness-fueled praise which Paul prays for. We live out the goodness, but we could never, never do it by ourselves. And I think many of us need to change our thinking about this. Because if you're like me, you'll naturally think of your goodness as mainly to do with you. And it's not mainly to do with you. My performance as a human being, as a Christian, if it's God who began a good work in me, then my performance is not mainly about me. Your purity and blamelessness and good fruit is not mainly about you. We can spend so much time comparing ourselves to others, can't we? If you're a Christian, you look at someone who seems to be doing way better than you, and you can feel depressed. Or maybe you look at someone and you think, well, I'm doing a bit better than them as a Christian. We can feel proud. But it's about praying for goodness-fueled praise. It's he who does it. Brothers and sisters, we're to long for, to aim for, love-fueled choices and goodness-fueled praise. Not from multivitamins, but life-saving medicine. And shortly when we take the Lord's Supper together, we're going to think about and receive by faith that medicine. Seeing again the supreme love of Jesus, which can produce abounding love in us in response. Seeing the lavish generosity of a father who gives his son to actually make us pure and blameless before him. But before we do that, as I finish, I'm going to lead us um, in, if you like, practicing praying these things. Can you imagine what God might do if we started as a church family praying this prayer for ourselves and one another? So let's start by giving it a go right now. Okay? Um, let's bow our heads and pray. First of all, echoing this prayer for ourselves individually. Remember the God we're praying to, all-powerful, perfectly loving. Let's pray. Father God, may my love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that I may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to your praise and glory. Amen. We're going to pray one more time. I want you to choose someone else to pray for.
Maybe someone close to you in your fellowship group or someone with particular struggles. Think of that person and let's pray this prayer again, this time for them. Lord God, please may their love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that they may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To your praise and glory. Amen.